See, asking you shall receive, L.A. Little Trooper on a Monday morning. I, I saw Trooper at Barn 22 in Grayson, Saskatchewan, probably in 19, I don't know, 81, 82. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, let's welcome in our next guest to the program, uh, Howard Balzer from Sirius XM NFL Radio. Howard, you're with Kevin Curious and Olympic gold medalist in cycling, Lorianne Munzer, our co-host on Mondays. Welcome back to Sports 1440. Good to have you back. Good to be with you, and uh, what an honor to be with an Olympic gold medalist. That's pretty impressive. I'll, I'll tell you what, Howard. Well, sorry, Lorianne. Good morning, Howard. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Lorianne, but uh, we had Cassie Campbell on last week, uh, Howard, and she's obviously a Canadian Olympic hockey superstar, and I kind of did the same intro, and she just said, Kevin, can you kind of just go away for about 20 minutes and Laurie Adkin and I can just chat? And I was like, yeah, I got no problem. So there were three gold medals, gold medalists, well, gold medals, uh, two for Cassie, one for Laurie on the program last week, and obviously none for me, Howard. So that's the way she goes. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. This might be this might be a first for me, although one of, one of the most embarrassing aspects of all the radio that I've done in my career was when I was a host. This goes back years and years ago, and the producer got uh, Christy Yamaguchi uh, to come on the show. And so I'm think, trying to think of things to ask her, and I come up with, so what was it like in the Olympics when you were there and competing for notice from the Dream Team with basketball for the uh, – you know, okay. for the for the men, and so she said. Well, that was the Summer Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good question. Oh boy! Oh, and uh, Christy Yamaguchi. She's married to Brett Hedekin, who does San Jose Sharks uh, color commentary. He's been on our show as well. So, do you do you watch a lot of the Olympics, Howard? Then? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Def- definitely watch it. There's no, no doubt. It's summer and winter. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them both. I have memories of of growing up with. And watching him with my with my parents and my mom was certainly you know loved the figure skating and the gymnastics and all that stuff. So uh, I I was watching it as, you know growing up and uh, you know I've always always had an appreciation uh, for what everybody you yeah. know everybody in the Olympics uh, is capable of doing. It's like every four years. It's such you know the the athletes work so hard. Lorianne definitely one of them. But you see that when they rise to the top for that peak and they are just on top of the world. So it's fun to see that. Laurie, I know you can speak to that. Absolutely. It's it's just, it's an experience of a lifetime. And there's, uh, we were talking with Steve Coolius before. He was talking about the energy. And it's different, but it's the same as all sports. Mm -hmm. NFL too, right? It's like, holy smokes. There's an energy when you go into the stadium. There's an energy, I'm sure, Howard, that you experience talking with the athletes when you're interviewing them or you just have a happenstance they come along and boom you know there's an opportunity right there no no absolutely no question and i think it's also i've always felt and of course i've always you know for the most part covered football but i've always had an appreciation not only for the nfl or not only for the the top of the you know the top of the sport in college football but the lower levels also uh, because mm-hmm. even though maybe it's not watched as by many people on TV or seen by as many people in the stadium, for those competing, it means just as much as anyone mm-hmm. else, especially when they're uh, potentially competing for a championship. And, and even if, it, if it's high school, I mean, it's, it, it, it's that competition uh, that, it, that is great no matter what the level is. Absolutely. There's something that I think you get to see is watching, and I hate to use the words, the I'm going to call it more like the amateur ranks, 
is it's more a prelude to what is to come and you get to see some of that as you're covering that and watching them grow and rise through the ranks to you know the the NFL here i mean who are you seeing coming up that you've you've been watching or who are you seeing today that is just really starting to thrive and and really bring their game to a whole new level no no doubt and then we also know that so many that excel at the NFL level weren't, you know, weren't necessarily those, those, you know, those yeah. players that people were watching uh, when they were in college. You have the late round draft picks, undrafted free agents, whatever it might be, who come in and say, "I'm going to, I'm going to show them that I can play." And, and you have many of them that become uh, standouts, and, and those are always great stories uh, to watch and to chronicle. Howard, would you say that Brock Purdy is number one on the top of that list? Oh my goodness! I mean, it's just, and he just keeps doing it. Week after week, you know, you always wonder sometimes when someone, especially someone unexpected, and everyone's kind of waiting for, you know, waiting for it to descend, so to speak, or not to be what it has been. And there was a little bit of that earlier this season mm-hmm. uh, when the 49ers uh, lost a few games in a row. And, everyone, oh, okay, they're coming back down to earth. Brock Purdy's coming back down to earth. But in the ultimate team sport, it's and, – and, and a lot of times people don't talk, you know, talk about the injuries – and when, when teams are missing key personnel, because the coaches don't like to talk about it, because they always, you know, they, I think they have tapes that go off in their head <laughs> when they're asked any question about guys who aren't there. He says, well, I'm just here to coach the guys that are here. This is the NFL, next man up, all that stuff. But there's no doubt how the injuries have a major, a major impact, and, it, and it's up to us who watch it to point that out. Unfortunately, a lot of times I'll point it out about a certain team and I'll have someone on Twitter or a listener on radio or whatever say, oh, that's just an excuse. You know, all teams have injuries. And I kind of always laugh at that because, yeah, all teams have some injured guys, but all injuries are not created equal for all teams. And, mm-hmm. and back when the 49ers went through that tough stretch, that Christian McCaffrey uh, was playing but not 100%. They were playing without Debo Samuel and their left tackle. Uh, Trent Williams, mm-hmm. and they weren't the same team. And Purdy wasn't the same quarterback, and it just shows that the players that are really good, great, whatever you want to call them, they still need everyone else on that team doing their job and performing at a high level to be able to be successful. And once Williams came back, once Samuel came back, now that McCaffrey's healthy, you know the 49ers are. I mean, it's close. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the NFC, but the 49ers, and I, I believe this all season, healthy with all their guys, they might be the best team in the NFL, and they've been showing that over the last few weeks. Yeah, number one in the power rankings for me, uh, Howard Balls or Sirius XM NFL Radio, our guest Kevin Carey's Lorianne Munzer on Sports 1440. What else did you make of that, that game yesterday, San Fran and Philly? I mean, I, at the top of the show, Howard, I said – with what happened on the sideline with Dom DeSandro, it felt like a, an episode of The Sopranos for me, what was going on with the Philly Mafia on the sidelines. I, what did you make, and what do you think is going to happen here? Well, you know, the, the one thing that I think that the NFL should look at is that it's not a penalty when a non-player uh, does something like that. If that had been a player on the sideline that got in Dre Greenlaw's face and all of a sudden something you know, evolved from that. There would have been a penalty also in terms of, you know, in terms of the yardage at least. But mm-hmm. there was no penalty on the play. Yes, the security guy got ejected, but who cares? I mean, that that doesn't that obviously does not impact the game. So I'll be curious if the NFL does something, you know, like that, you know, along the way. And it it, it is bizarre when 
you know, when you have, you know, a situation where someone puts themselves into a situation, they shouldn't be doing that. And so we'll, we'll see what the NFL does. I don't know if they'll do anything quickly from it, but it'll be interesting to see. And then, then I, I saw, you know, someone saying uh, that, you know, that uh, could be, you know, could have more, uh, you know, more punishment, more discipline coming down the line. And then I saw someone on Twitter say, oh, come on, that's an overreaction. You know, Greenlaw and, all, and they, they were all laughing about it afterwards. Well, okay, you can say that all you want. But the fact is, what happened, happened. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see how you can ignore that and not look at it closely to see if there's a better way to you know, discipline that when someone gets clearly out of line. Because, I mean, this might be going too far, but you know, who's to say some, some other team can say, yeah, well, you know, something happens on the sideline, and so I'll, I'll have someone who's a non-player get in the guy's face and hope for a reaction, yeah. and all of a sudden it, it hurts that team. And so, you know, kudos to the 49ers. They, they continue to play well without Greenlaw. Yeah. But I think that, that was a tough situation where, you know, he was, he was egged on and, and, and instigated, and he ends up paying the, paying the biggest price, or at least the team ends up paying the biggest price for his, his ejection. And luckily, San Fran was head and shoulders better than Philadelphia. So even with Greenlaw out, it didn't have a big impact on the game results-wise. So that was uh, critical in that sense. What have you made, Howard, with, and in particular last night, just watching, you know, last night's Sunday night football game between KC and Green Bay, the officiating was really off, it seemed, in that game. What what have you made, just not only last night, but I guess as a whole this this year? You know, I think, you know, know, when it happens, most everyone reacts, so this is the worst it's ever been. Or you, you talk about all these, you know, you know, difficult and you know calls that just look bad, mm-hmm. and it's 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 always going to be like that. And people can call for full time officials all they want, but maybe that adds a little bit of oh, okay, well they're spending all this time on it, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to make mistakes. I mean, there's full time officials in the other sports, and there's just as egregious calls or non calls that happen in those. The difference is you don't have replay going for several minutes, showing the play over and over and over again because of the time between plays and the replay review. Uh, but you have the same thing in the other sports, even with full-time officials. So I, I think it's always going to be that way. The thing that troubles me a little bit the most is that when the league doubles down and for the most part refuses to even acknowledge that there was a mistake made. And everyone knows when the players make mistakes. It's all right there for everyone to see. Everyone knows when when the coaches do, and they have to answer for it. For the most part, the officials don't. And there was a pool report you know, after that, especially the one for no pass interference, mm-hmm. and said that there was no material restriction on the player. That was the official's explanation. And anyone who looked at that could say, what is he talking about? Yeah. I mean, the defender had his arms wrapped around the guy. His arms were down. He couldn't even get his arms up to even make an attempt for the catch. And so how can anyone say that there was no material restriction to the player, you know, making the reception on that play. So that, that's the thing that almost troubles me more than the missed calls because those are going to happen. And when we look at it closely, we see how many times the officials do get it right. And that's, that's a huge percentage of the time. But when they get it wrong, like I said, it's all, it's all out there for everyone to see. And, 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 and at least they can accept account. At least they should accept accountability mm-hmm. for it afterward. And then someone will ask the coach, about it afterward, and they'll say, well, yeah, well, we sent the play into the league, but that's all I can say about it. 
because if the coach comes out and says, yeah, they told us that was a wrong call, he can get fined. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's this is a little ridiculous for, for a team that says it, it wants to, you know, go forward and operate with transparency. Mm-hmm. Lorianne? That's always a hard one to, to touch on. With last night's uh, Lions-New uh, Orleans game, the quarterback, rookie sensation Sam Laporta, can you talk about him? Where Where's he going? Yeah, he, he's a heck of a player, tight end, and he, he's done tremendous you know, for that team. And, and, and it shows if you can get a good tight end, there's not that many really good ones. And when you have one, then it's very difficult to stop them. And it's funny because I always hear from teams that got beat by a team with a good tight end. They say, boy, our team always has problems with, with tight ends. Well, you know what? Every team has problems with the really good tight ends because for the most part, it's a matchup nightmare for the defense. But when you have a guy who's tall and big and has some speed and quickness to him, who's going to cover him? You know, a safety most of the time isn't big enough. And a linebacker isn't fast enough. Yeah. So you can, you can just, you know, take advantage of that, uh, of that matchup quite a bit. You know, we saw that with a bad team this year, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, <laughs> who have an emerging tight end in Trey McBride, yeah. who, is, who has been incredible over the last few weeks, especially after Zach Ertz got injured and then he was released at the end of the last week because he wants to move on to a contending team. But, you know, McBride is in his second year, and is really coming on. It was a huge part of the Cardinals' win in Pittsburgh uh, yesterday. So, you know, those really good tight ends with, with Laporta and the veteran guys like Travis Kelsey and, you know, George Kittle, whoever, they, you know, they, I'm not going to say they have open season on defenses, but it sure looks like when a team wants to go to the tight end, they can almost do it at will when, when you have a really good one. Howard Balzer from Sirius XM NFL Radio is our guest on Sports 1440. Um, Howard, with your show at the uh, Hall of Fame show, we, we kind of touched on this the last time you were on, just how cool it is for you and um, to be able to talk to all these uh, greats from the NFL from yesteryear and some guys that are you know going into the Hall of Fame and probably on just on that kind of borderline. Do you see, in that sense, some guys that are close to being, you know, voted in here in the next little bit, in the next couple of years? Or are there some players that you would like to see uh, move on into the hall, into Canton? Or how tough is it for for you, I guess, to kind of have your perspective on that and and talk to all these guys all at the same time? Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. But, yeah, doing the show, and we're in our ninth year of, you know, of doing it. And every week, it's almost like I have to pinch myself. (laughs) When, we're, when I'm talking to these Hall of Famers. And then also for Sirius, which isn't part of that weekly show, I've been doing for almost almost 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows at Canton uh, during the celebration weekend where we interview a lot of guys for, for one show that airs during the week and another that air that is on right before the enshrinement ceremony. Then I do one a- after the Hall of Fame class is announced for that year where we talk to the guys who have just been announced as going to be enshrined and like i said i i have to pinch myself many times and realize hey and 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 it's crazy too because when you go to canton and you see you see a lot of the guys in person you've gotten to know them Mm -hmm. over the years and you're just able to talk and say hello and 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 it's and i you know it's it's just it's just very humbling uh, to do that and it's humbling to be a part of the selection process and you know we just had last week the announcement of the 25 semifinalists 
that will vote in a couple of weeks for the finalists, the 15 that Mm -hmm. will be discussed in a meeting between all 50 selectors. And we all understand how life-changing this is for for these guys and know that the choices we make each year to choose five modern-day guys to go in, but that means 10 10 guys and their families are going to be disappointed, especially those who have waited uh, several years uh, for it. For example, Torrey Holt from the Rams' greatest show on turf has, you know, he and Isaac Bruce and Kurt Warner and Orlando Pace all became eligible for the first time in the same year. So it created kind of a pecking order for all those guys. And Holt is the last one to still be in the process, and he is already in his 10th year of eligibility. That's halfway through the 20 years that you're eligible, and if you don't get in, you go to the seniors. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a guy that everyone agrees that it's got to happen pretty soon, but it just seems that wide receivers especially have to wait longer because there's so So many many, of them. And, you know, there's six wide receivers that are in that group of 25 semifinalists. So it becomes very tough the way the passing game has exploded. But there's there's a lot of guys that you look at and and a name will come up and someone will say, boy, how's that guy not in the Hall of Fame now? And you just say, it's the way the process goes and you can't put everybody in. And like I said, but it's just humbling uh, to be a part of that that process and, and cast my vote with very difficulty. I'll tell you, I always say one of the worst, toughest days of my year is when we get in that room and we talk about 15 modern-day guys, and then we have to make the decision of which 10 we vote for, and then when we find out the 10, we have to make the decision on which five, because those are going to be the ones that uh, likely get elected that year. And that's and you always think of, man, I'm not voting for that guy. He's deserving, but I just think this it's guy tough. at this time is, is more deserving. And that's mm-hmm. very, very difficult, and I'm sure all of the other 49 selectors feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I think, Howard, if you had your way, you would have top 15 straight across the board. Forget about five. You'd bring all 15 in. Yeah. Uh, how did you get on the committee to become, you know, one of the instrumental, um, I guess, selectors yeah. of choosing yeah. these five? Well, how, how did that come yeah, about? Yeah, I'll, I'll just address your, your first, well, just quickly address your first point, because I remember one year after that meeting where it lasts eight or nine hours and there's long discussions on each guy where everyone can talk if they like. And at the end of it, and we're ready to vote for the 10, I, I just said, Hey, can, can we just put all 15 in? And obviously we can't, but, but everyone kind of laughed at that. But I, I started going to the hall of fame weekend in 1980 when I was still a young, wow. a young reporter, a young, uh, working for the sporting news. And I was just so taken by it. I said, I'm never going to miss this. I did miss some years there, but I've been to that weekend many times and got to know Joe Hargan and the people who ran the Hall of Fame. And I just said, and at the back, back in those days, there were only as many selectors as there were teams. There was one for in each geographic region, and that was about it. Well, they've expanded it over the years. And at one point, the St. Louis um, spot opened up, and I was in consideration uh, but they went with a longtime beat writer at one of the papers there. When I was living in St. Louis. And so I had just expressed to Joe Harrigan and others there, I said, hey, at some point I'd just love you know, to be, to be in this. And after I didn't get chosen that one year, Joe <laughs> said, don't worry, don't worry. You know, so, well, somewhere along the line this is going to happen. And when they started adding at-large people to that 32, which is now up to 50, I, I, it was like about 20 years ago, Joe called me and he said, I've, 
I, he said, <laughs> I think you're going to like the news I'm going to give you. And I was added to it. Oh, so it's, it, it, it's, it's been a joy uh, to do that. And it, it's great to be a part of it. It's, it's really odd, though. Technically now, I am still, even though St. Louis doesn't have a team, they haven't been able yet. And what the Rams have been in Los Angeles since, since 2016, and they haven't found anyone that they feel is hmm. worthy of being the selector to represent that region. So I moved from at large to do the Rams. Wow. And I'm, I'm considered still, I'm not even living in St. Louis anymore. I'm still considered the representative on the committee for Los Angeles. And I think part of it, too, is because I was making presentations for Isaac Bruce and then Tori Holt, and they figured anyone in Los Angeles had never really hadn't seen those guys play mm-hmm. on a week-to-week basis. So, But the one thing I said was, well, when you find someone for L.A., what happens to me? He said, well, don't worry, you'll slide back that large. Yeah. So, so don't worry about that. Oh. And so it's been, it's been odd that I have been that, uh, for for these many years and and just you know just look forward to it like i said every year uh, that it comes around and being a part of it uh, one last one for you howard do you find um and i can only compare it to what the nhl uh, uh well it's actually the hockey hall of fame just like a pro football hall of fame so they get people campaigning for certain oh. individuals so do you find that like let's just use tory holt for an example would marshall falk and kurt warner be campaigning for him well, they do a bit. I, I don't know that they call a lot of the selectors, but I think that. But there is, a, you know, a, there is a certain amount of campaigning, and quite frankly, a lot of the selectors uh, do it themselves. Hmm. You know, especially for guys that they think perhaps have been a little overlooked, and so we we get letters of support. All you know, all the all the committee people get letters of support from those on the committee, mm-hmm. from teams, from others who send emails and, and say, hey, you need to take a, take a look you know, at this guy a little bit closer. And, and I remember a couple of years when, when Aeneas Williams, the great cornerback who played for the Cardinals mm-hmm. and the, the Rams, wasn't a finalist for a couple of years. And I was just taken aback that he wasn't. Yeah. And so I talked to a couple of people, uh, people who had you know, played against him, people that had coached him. And so I sent out a letter uh, one year saying, hey, we, you know, we need to, you know, everyone needs to look closely at Aeneas Williams. And mm-hmm. I sent it out and, and voila, he became a finalist. So how much my letter had something to do with that, no one ever said it to me, mm-hmm. but you have to believe it had a, a certain amount of impact. And then it still took him a couple of years after becoming a finalist, but he eventually became elected. So, so that does go on. I pay attention to everything uh, I receive. And I know sometimes it gets a little overwhelming at times. You know, there's and there's some players that that have a, an unbelievable campaign for them from fans who get all our emails and send unrelenting, you know, over and over emails to us. And sometimes they say, okay, this is a little much. Yeah. But bottom line is, we do hear from a lot of different people, and and it certainly helps because in reality, there's so many players, so many years. So many of these guys have you know, stopped playing many years ago, and it's always good to say, okay, yeah, let me take a closer look at that guy because there's only so much time you can spend on it. And all of a sudden you say, yeah, this, guy's, this guy is very deserving. And all of a sudden you'll have a situation like Sam Mills and Leroy Butler who weren't semifinalists, and that's the top 25. They weren't semifinalists for about the first 10 to 12 years of their eligibility. 
and then someone gave them some support. Yeah. They became a semifinalist, then a finalist, and they both got in. And in fact, Sam Mills got in a few years ago in his final year of modern day eligibility. So it, it's always interesting when those things happen too. In in addition to those who are become semifinalists or finalists the first year they're eligible, mm-hmm. and then end up waiting, you know, a number of years for that. People are shocked when I tell them that Lynn Swan, the great wide receiver, obviously from the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers, was a finalist 14 times <laughs> before he got elected, and a large part of that was because his teammate John Stallworth was a finalist in many of those years that he was. Hmm. And so what happens sometimes is there's split votes. You know, some people say, oh, we're not going to vote for both of them this year. And so some vote for one, some vote for the other, and all of a sudden they don't get enough votes to move on as finalists. And that's kind of an unfortunate byproduct of the system, but it's a real part of it. And that's something that I think a lot of people many in many situations don't realize. That's like Holton Bruce, I guess, almost. Yeah, it could be, and I'll tell you, you know, and last year, for example, there was a lot of discussion. In addition to Holt, there's Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnson who were <laughs> finalists. Uh, Wayne and Holt for the fourth time, Andre Johnson for the sixth, second, and there was a lot of discussion. Hey, you know, we, we we can't just, you know, there was a period of six or seven years back about 15 years ago where Andre Reed, Tim Brown, and, and uh, Chris Carter were finalists year after year, and none of them got in. Wow. Finally, one did. I think Chris Carter was the first. And then the next year, Reed went in, and the next year, Tim Brown went in. So it kind of opened up the door. Last year, we had three finalists again, and all of them made the reduction to 10. And so I'm sure that was a situation where the voters were saying, hey, we've got to move these guys along in the process, so I'll vote for multiple guys here to make sure that some of them move to the 10. Well, all three of them did, and then I believe, and none of them got in. I believe that was too many to be in the 10, because now when you're voting for five, how many guys with all the other players eligible are going to vote for more than one receiver? So all of a sudden, you have last year you only had 49 selectors. There's been a 50th added this year. That's not that many people. Mm-hmm. So if you have just you know one you know a bunch of people vote for Holt, another bunch of people vote for Johnson, another vote people vote for Wayne, and none of them get yeah. enough votes to move to the final five. So you know that that becomes a real issue, and we'll see what happens this year as we get closer and closer. Uh, to uh, to the final voting, which will come next month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you mentioned Sam Mills. You just got to keep pounding, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Just keep pounding. Uh, you always believe eventually it will happen. And but I, I can only imagine how how the weight is excruciating mm-hmm. for players and their families. But the one thing they all say, and Chris Carter was a guy who was pretty vocal when he wasn't getting in. And then after he got in, he actually said, and said in an interview with us on the show, he said, "I'm kind of embarrassed about." some of the things I said, Mm -hmm. because you really don't look at how the process is and what happens and all those things. You're just looking at it in the narrow prism of yourself and your family. But then he said afterward, as that many have, he said, yeah, I waited a long time, but all of that seems long ago now because I'm in and that's forgotten. Hey, Howard, we c- I could talk about this for hours with you. I just really enjoy our conversations with the, the old guys in the hall. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll do it again soon. Look forward to it. My pleasure being with you all. Take care. That's Thanks Howard Balzer, Sirius XM, NFL Radio. And man, oh man, you talk about all those great players. And the NHL, you know, it's in the same boat a lot of the times. And, and it's not just the NHL Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. So mm-hmm. there are very 
worthy candidates that are left out every year, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're left out. I, th- well, I think what, from selection they are. What I'm saying is, for a first time, like you Absolutely. know, they always say a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, sometimes like these great receivers that he was talking about, and we see it in the NHL. Yeah. Like just off the top of my head, and for other reasons, like Theron Fleury's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. His numbers are just as good as many players that are in the Hall of Fame. We all know why he's not because of the off ice things. Mm-hmm how he's handled that aspect of his life and other things as well. But numbers-wise, he's right there, just the way it is. Uh, When we come back, uh, we've got a little uh, open text time, and uh, we're going to get to positive Bronte's text with Lori Ann Munzer's future in sport. I can't wait. Coming up on the Kevin Carey Show (laughs) on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. News out of Winnipeg this morning. The Jets have signed Nito Niederreiter to a contract extension. Three years at $4 million. Uh, So he will be in Winnipeg for three more years, you would think. So a uh, good signing for the Jets. Pretty decent price point at $4 million as well. Uh, text coming in. Uh, this is the one we wanted to get to from Positive Bronte Fan for Lorianne. Uh, speaking of trying something different, because we were talking about curling, Lorianne's a power athlete. She needs to come try pole vault. <laughs> pole vaulting. <laughs> that sounds like a hoot. Okay. I can hook her up with some of the elite Edmonton pole vaulters. Some of the best in Canada are right here in Edmonton. Number two ranked male, Derek Theater. Number three ranked female, Rachel Heink, my daughter, daughter does track, started a couple of years ago, now convinced me at the ripe old age of 48 to give it a try. It's a great group and very chilling vibe. Small community, but we have some great energy in our group looking to grow a pool of athletes. What do you think? Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. That would be so cool to try. Definitely, yes. I do have to confess, I have a fear of heights. So how high are we going here? It's up to you. <laughs> I think that would be a hoot. It would be hard. I mean, it's one of the scarier events in track. I mean, unless you're standing in the middle of the field with javelin, it's probably the most dangerous one. Probably the most dangerous one. Okay, pole vaulting. Never even thought of that. Okay, uh, positive Bronte, you've definitely planted the seed there. Um, yeah. That would be really interesting. Hmm. That would be interesting. Give it a whirl. You're going to try curling. <laughs> this is like the the winter of trying new sports. Well, okay. Do you think? Okay, did you? There was a TV show years and years ago called Pros versus Joes. Ooh. And okay. what this show was was they got even Grant Fear was in it. But what they did, Lorianne, was they got a, whatever, an athlete, and then, like yourself. Okay, so someone would come and try cycling against you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if this is another angle here. Oh, that's cool. All right, we've got two sports so far. Okay. Okay. It's all on you, Lorianne. Okay. Dewey texts in, and he is not happy with me. Kevin, stop cutting Lorianne off. Oh, not a problem. I don't think I really did. Do you think I cut you off? No. Okay. No. 
Dewey thinks I've been cutting you off. One was about Jack Campbell. She didn't even get to answer it. What was the question? <laughs> you are a nice dude, and I'm sure you don't mean it, but it's happening. Well, I nah. apologize if I am, or if I did. I'm good. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm not, I'm not even coming close. Duke, what do you think? How come no one ever texts in defending me when you cut me off? <laughs> I remember cutting you off a couple times. Mostly when we're talking about the Tropicanas. Well, yeah, usually because you uh, you don't want to hear what I have to say because it's either uh, trash-talking your terrible ability <sighs> at fantasy football, um, I'm bragging about something, like maybe how the Texans are sick, or uh, the Ducks were off to a good start. They suck now, too, but that's besides the point. Those are usually when you're uh, when you're cutting me mm-hmm. off because you stop me in my tracks. Because, quite frankly, you don't care. You you do not care for what I have to say. It's not you don't care what I have to say, but you do not care for what I have to say. Well, Lorianne, what have you got to say for yourself now? <laughs> We're all good. It's conversations. There's there's good topics. Hmm. I'll have to get through this uh, tiger text. A uh, couple of them coming out here about Trooper. Uh, your favorite Trooper song, Lorianne, would yeah. be? Here for a good time. Like that one. Yeah. You know what's funny? So Trooper's been around a long time and a good time, but you still hear Raise a Little Hell at every Oiler game, you know, when they're trying to pump the fans up? Yes. That would be your favorite, Duke, Raise a Little Hell or not? I think I, I also love uh, Here for a Good Time, but yeah, um, yeah Raise a Little Hell probably, probably takes the cake. Partly because, yeah, like I've heard it, in every sports arena I've ever been in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Minor hockey dressing rooms, whatever, right? Like, it's always bumping. And, it, I mean, hey, it works. It gets the people going. What about here they come, the boys in the bright white sports car? Uh, that one I'm not as familiar with. No? I like that one, too. But it would rank number three. Jack of all trades, Stan, and Jerry the garbage man. There you go. <laughs> We're going back, aren't Pulling we Pulling out the archives. Did you see the list of Canada's... The Walk, of, walk fame? of Fame. Holy cow. Lee Aaron, uh, Avril Lavigne, Chilliwack, Glass Tiger, mm-hmm. Max Webster, uh, Loverboy, Connor, Rick Mercer. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, so- Rick Mercer was to th- like on the weekend with Connor. Mm-hmm. Avril yeah. Lavigne was. I don't know if Chilliwack was. What? I thought maybe, is that prior? Mm-hmm. We'll have to ask Connor. I have to double check. And I see Rough Trade. Carol Pope, Kevin Staples. See? Hey, we should get Carol on. She's you know a friend Carol? Of, I know Carol. Okay, yes, Carol We should Pope. get Carol Pope on. In for that. Ooh. Ah, I like Rough Trade. She's amazing. Yeah. Kevin is amazing, too. I remember I was, um, I had an event I had to train for, and I heard that they were coming to Reds. Do you remember when mm-hmm. Reds was here in West Edmonton Mall? And I was in such a dilemma that I actually rearranged my training time to be earlier in the afternoon so that I could go to the show afterwards. Was not disappointed. And I got to go backstage with Kevin and Carol. I think I might have met her through Gord Steinke over the years. You know, like, because Gord's a big uh, bass player and uh, Gord Steinke and the Big Stein Band. Yes. So I think they were doing some, you know... They do events and things like that, like where there are three, four bands going at it. Yeah. That would be cool. Uh, When we come back, are you in or are you out? In or out? With Lorianne Munzer. That's coming up after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. That's another solid song. Canadian, Jeff Healy. Yes. 
um, remake, though, of Steeler's Wheel. That's who did the original. Steeler's Wheel, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I remember that one growing up. Text comes in, Baby, Won't You Please Come Home is Trooper's best song. That comes from Mark. Mm-hmm. Another, Another good one. Yep. All right, time now for Are You In or Are You Out, In or Out. The Duke went to the Tropicana's Orange Men Hockey last night, came back late after a 3-2 loss and put together five solid topics. None of them have to do with your plus-minus last night, Duke? Not this time, no. <laughs> that was uh, not as ugly as it had been the past couple weekends. I, I actually think I played quite well last night. Okay. Didn't get on the score sheet, but uh, patrolling the blue line, you know, keeping, f- keeping pucks in. Any fans come out to the games? Like, uh, I'm abs- sure players' wipe. Absolutely or not, no. Oh. Sunday night, 8 o'clock, you kidding me? I don't know. No. There's the odd time, uh, since we're at the Drake, like the odd time maybe a lost student wanders through or something, but <laughs> that's about it. No one's even walking around the track? No, no. Not at the Drake anymore. Okay. It's not really much of a track these well, days. people were still walking around back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, All right, Duke. Let us have them. Ooh! We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out on Sports 1440? I'm out. There you go, wow. Captain. Uh, been, uh, yeah, that one's been in the, the chamber. Still not finished, but I figured it's Monday morning. It'd be a good time as any to uh, oh, bring that's it good. up. Just a, just a couple little... Harder to find a, like uh, pop culture drops for that than I thought. There was In my mind, they were like a dime a dozen yeah. in uh, in movies and TV shows, but not as many as I thought there were. So I thought it was to, excellent. Had to dig deep on a couple of them, but oh, uh, we, got, we got a fresh batch of statements for you guys here on a Monday morning for In or Out... Uh, Starting with uh, Kevin's favorite topic because he is so bad at it, fantasy football. I'm saying that like goalies in fantasy hockey, quarterbacks should get points for wins. Okay, I'll just say I'm out on this only because my fantasy football team is so bad. It is the worst fantasy football team in the history of this league that we've been going on for 20 years. (laughs) 0-15, about to be. 0-15, you want to talk about... Walking a guy off the ledge here. Oh, boy. That's how it's been for me this year. I came to a boiling point last night where I sent a group chat texting out or whatever to the commissioner with vulgar language on a subject that really wasn't that controversial, but I just had to let loose. Couldn't take it anymore. So I'm just going to say I'm out because I hate fantasy football right now. Oh, boy. So... (laughs) But but I saw your chart there just before the whole thing started earlier this season. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure after the draft, Kevin was feeling very confident. I'm still like I had a good week, but I'm playing a guy that's having a great week, and he will. Mm. That's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. It is, and that's what makes fantasy sports exciting. Is that uh, you know, just like real football, any given Sunday, Mm, but not for me. Not well, yeah, not for. There is no given Sunday for Kevin. It's the opposite (laughs) of that. It's bad. (laughs) I'm going to go for in quarterback should get the points because sometimes it's enough just to really change it up. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm personally on the fence about this because, like, I can talk myself into it. Usually, if it would have benefited me, of course, because like quarterbacks don't always put up the most staggering 
statistical numbers in the box score, but you play well enough for your team to win. And that is the one thing that a quarterback, like it's it's called the most important position in all of sports. Um, and it like goaltenders, the same thing in hockey. Like you're the one player who can really dictate a game because for a, a goalie, you play the whole game. Uh, and quarterbacks, that's how you measure a team's success is by where you are in the standings. And yes, it's fantasy football and the team's result doesn't necessarily matter. But I, I like it's just something that I think would be a, a fun wrinkle maybe if you're in a league that's been around a long time and you're looking for a new element to spice things up. I don't even know how you could go about um, instituting it. Connor Halley just texted and said that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Because he, uh, his quarterback, Justin Herbert, would never get any points. <laughs> My question to you, how many points uh, would you say? Three? Four? Yeah, that, that, that would be worth discussing if, if you were ever actually looking into it deeper. Because like, even in fantasy hockey, some guys, um, like in, in fantasy hockey, goalies, like they way overvalue goalies. And wins are worth, like, what's the equivalent to scoring five goals on a night? Like if a goal is worth one point, some leagues that I've played in have goalies wins worth five. And so it makes goalies way more valuable. Should we not be making quarterbacks more valuable? Uh, I'm with the former Roshep Tebert on this one. So okay. All righty. All righty. We, uh, we can shift gears over to the world of baseball. Winter meetings underway. We talked with Levi Weaver first thing this morning about some of the big storylines. And, of course, at the top of everybody's list is Shohei Otani. The same group of teams still allegedly in the mix include the uh, usual suspects, L.A. Dodgers, and then the West Coast teams. Um, Angels possibly still in it. The Giants, maybe the Mariners, but the surprise team on everybody's radar is the Toronto Blue Jays. Regardless of where he ends (laughs) up signing, I'm saying that he will be under contract with his new team, or maybe old team, uh, by the end of this week. So by Friday? Sure. Lorianne, you want to go first, or I can absolutely sure. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm in. He's gonna sign it, but it's gonna be like down to the last minute. Okay, I'll say I'm out on this. I think he's being patient. When you are going to be signing a contract that, if he signs in Toronto, as we said, would be almost a billion dollars Canadian. A billion. That's one B. So if he signs a contract with whatever, obviously it's U.S. dollars. So mm-hmm. if it's going to be between five and six hundred million. When you're talking uh, life changing, this is beyond that. When you're talking that what, where you want to go for the next whatever, 10 years of your life and be able to win. You know that you have to sign this deal with a team that is going to do everything else to surround you with great players. I think you're going to take your time on this contract. That's why I'll say next week. Good point. All righty. Another hot topic here on Monday morning with the announcement of the four teams into the college football playoff yesterday being Michigan, Texas, Alabama, and the Pac-12 champion Washington Huskies. The undefeated Florida State Seminoles left out of the mix, but I'm saying that was the correct decision. Well, I I'm in on that. I'm it's the correct decision. They got it right. The uh, committee got this one right. And to further it up, the best team, obviously, that's not in there is Georgia. Georgia's better than FSU, even though Georgia lost to Alabama. I believe if Georgia were in the top four still, which I'm happy they're There's not. There's an argument that they could, that they should be. Like, are, as a one-loss team, are they better than the other one-loss teams in there? Not Bama, because they just lost, but Texas? I think if 
if if Georgia were still in this top four, they could just as easily be the national champions as Alabama or any other, or Washington or Michigan. I think Alabama is going to win the national championship now. So they already lost to Texas once this year. Yep, but I think it's going to be Alabama and Texas. I think the Alabama and Texas are the top two teams left. So. And Mitchell makes a good point here. He just texted and he said, correct decision will be proven when Georgia smokes them in the bowl game. I think that's a very good point Mm -hmm. because they will, of course, play in the the highest caliber bowl that's not for the playoff as the 5-6 matchup. Um, And yeah, like I know that the game should matter. Like you went undefeated and a couple of those wins coming without your starting quarterback that you had for the majority of the season. But like you said, they're not the best team without or not one of the top four teams without that quarterback. Mm -hmm. Even with them, are they? No, like I, re- resume matters, but I think the actual quality of your team matters too. And like, there's a lot of people saying Washington should be the number one ranked team because their resume is way better than Michigan's. I wouldn't be upset if Washington went in number one. Yeah, but I think that Alabama is going to beat Michigan. It's probably better. Yeah, Matt, Michigan's a really like I, I'm excited. This is yeah. a really good college football playoff uh, setup because like in the past couple of years, Georgia has been undefeatable they mm-hmm. are they were hands and feet above everybody else yeah. but this year it's kind of like any one of those four teams could very well win it i think uh depending on what we just said uh, at the top in, and granted saturday not sunday but yeah. any given saturday so i'm really looking forward to it It should be a great bowl season mitchell follows you up duke by saying how good would the eight or 12 team playoff be this year because the again from even one through eight I said or, or, very good or Oregon, uh, whether it be Mizzou, Georgia, Ohio State would still be in the mm-hmm. mix. He said it down to the eight and then beyond to 12. Some some really good teams there. It, it's funny because this obviously is the last year before we move to the 12 team playoff. Also, RIP the last year of the Pac-12 and its existence. Um, we saw some great games from the Pac this year between Washington, Oregon, uh, USC, Oregon State, uh, Wazoo. It, this would have been a great year. And now it's kind of almost going to be left disappointing because what if next year we once again get to the point where there's like two or three monsterly better teams and they just steamroll everybody and this 12-team playoff, we see a bunch of blowouts. Because this year in the 12-team playoff, I don't think we would have. I think we would have seen a bunch of really close games. Mm-hmm. So disappointing, but... Lorianne, do you want to just... Because you have to say you're in or you're out. You have yeah, to. Um, I'm in. It's it, It's tough. It's hard. It sucks. But it's the way it is, right? So you learn a lot from your losses, and who knows? Stay tuned. And FSU didn't have any, so I guess they didn't learn anything <laughs> this year. <laughs> Good point by the Duke. Uh, all righty, uh, last one uh, before we steer away from sports is uh, back to our near and dear Edmonton Oilers. They return to action on Wednesday, and they currently, in the NHL standings, sit seven points back of the Arizona Coyotes for the first wild card spot, six back of St. Louis. And the other, both those teams play tonight. What I'm saying is that by the time the Oilers return to action, they will not be any further out of the playoff picture than they are today. Ladies first, Loria. This is like a double, double, double negative oh, here. It it's is. like it's tough to base. Base the essence of what I'm saying is that the tonight the Coyotes will lose to the Capitals and the Blues will lose to Vegas. But there's games tomorrow. But where do they like the games that are tomorrow? Nashville at best, like all these other teams could at best get to the point where they're the same at the same total that Arizona and St. Louis are at now. You still have to factor in the games tomorrow as well, no? That's No, but that's like right now, Nashville is two points back of Arizona. Mm-hmm. So even if any like Nashville, Calgary, Seattle, Mini win tomorrow, they're not like 
they will still be ahead of the Oilers, but the total point gap won't be any bigger if Arizona and St. Louis lose tonight. You see where I'm coming from here? <laughs> It's do I do I need to get the whiteboard ahead, out and go, go full Rain Man this is on a you triple, here? This is a triple negative. <laughs> I don't know. I, all I, I, think, is, I think you guys are uh, not operating at the same uh, brain level as you me. know in the movie The Hangover when Alan's going down the stairs. Oh yeah, and all the numbers are yeah, the numbers are coming space. around his head. <laughs> Go ahead, Lorianne. We only have two answers. Are you I'm in? in. You're in. Okay. I'm in. So they won't be any further out. Mm, correct. Okay. I will say I'm out. I think there will be, they'll be further. One of, one of one St. Of, Louis or Arizona will win tonight. Well, even tomorrow. What about the Preds or the Wild or the Flames? But Kevin, what I'm saying, the point totals, <laughs> the Oilers are currently six points back of St. Louis. Even if Nashville wins tomorrow, they will still only be six points back of St. Louis, assuming they lose tonight. Okay. I'm still out. I'll say someone's going to win. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> All right. We can uh, shift gears to keep things a little bit lighter. Marissa Tomei, the timeless beauty, turns 59 years old today. And uh, this is something that I struggled with because I don't know Marissa Tomei that well. A lot of her stuff uh, predates me. But I do know her from that great little uh, arc on Seinfeld where George Costanza mm-hmm. was trying to be set up with her. Uh, but what I'm saying is that the current generation recognizes Marissa Tomei more from her most recent role as Aunt May in the new Spider-Man films than from all of her previous <laughs> works, including an Oscar in My Cousin Vinny. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Lorianne. I'm going to say I'm in. Yes. I think she's a fantastic actor. She's been around forever. I was pulling up her list of movies, and I realized how many I saw, how many I don't know. And, yeah, the Spider-Man new ones are fantastic. I'm going to say I'm in as well, only because the new generation probably hasn't looked at what she has accomplished in her illustrious career. Amazing career. Seinfeld episode is great. Those are so funny. Oh, my I God. I mean, th- when uh, Susan walks in and he's making out to the pillow, <laughs> and he's just all over the he's pillow. He's just constantly, like, every time she comes home, yeah. he's like, you're watching my cousin yeah. Vinny yeah. again. You're going to think, I- I'm going to think you got something for her. Turn it off. <laughs> you know? But he's technically, he's making out with a pillow, Lorianne, and you haven't seen that one, but nope. um, making out with a pillow in front of so, his fiance. Oh, my God, yeah. Because he thinks it's Marissa Tomei. He's daydreaming. Yeah. Oh cup God. of coffee, cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's not a date. It's not, it's not a, a date. date. It's just a cup of coffee. Yeah. Doesn't No harm in a cup of coffee. Yeah. All right. The other one, too, is when, when he's watching, and then so he's watching Marissa Tomei on the couch, Lorianne, and picks up the phone because he's phoning Elaine to try to get the date lined up. And uh, that Susan comes back, or he goes, his voice gets ra- raises his voice, and he goes, "Oh, that judge! I just hate that judge in there." You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kev, that's it. Another edition of uh, In or Out in the books, even uh, if uh, maybe you didn't quite uh, comprehend all of it today. Hey, Smitty the Welder has nailed it on the head. Kevin, Kevin doesn't yeah. get it. Kevin doesn't get it. I get it, Smitty. That could be the tagline of this program. I don't get it. <laughs> Well, uh, Lorianne, again, two hours just breezed right by, didn't it? It's flown. It's amazing. What a way to kick off the week. You've got curling to look into. Yes. Uh, You've got the pole vaulting. We've given you the guy's number for pole vaulting. Yes. Now, let's be honest. If you are, and December's a busy month with everything. Mm -hmm. Let's just say you go and 
try something in January, mm-hmm. would it be curling over pole vaulting or pole vaulting over curling? Well, I think it has to be in the order that it was received. So curling <laughs> you're just was ja- the first one. You're and I'm thinking out. for December. <laughs> and then I'm thinking pole vaulting for January. What about one new sport a month? Because usually what happens is sometimes when you try something new, it doesn't go according to what your brain is telling you it's going to look like mm-hmm. or how it's going to feel. And this was like skate skiing, trying to learn that in the wintertime. And it took me a couple tries to get yeah. the hang of it. What do you I, think the hardest part will be about curling for you? Not, what do you Are call you left-handed? It? No, I oh, am right-handed, okay. but I, I was thinking I should be playing left-handed because no. I'll be a little more gentler. instead of rocketing it with the right hand it'll be more finesse plus left hand okay well before you go you have to say you were scared because you thought we were going to talk about something else pole related well i thought when you said (laughs) when you start off with pole i thought it was going to be pole dancing and i was really thrilled when you said pole vaulting so (laughs) yeah i'm thinking i don't know what about one new sport a month i think we should be trying one new sport a month if you take up pole vaulting, the Duke and I... Are going to do pole dancing? <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I was thinking about we might try one of the, your spin classes. Oh, those are so much fun, Kevin. Uh, what do you think, Duke? I think Lauren and I have different definitions of the word fun. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You mean like puking after 12 minutes? I, I said this when you brought it up last week. That like if I will happily do it if you want to drag my corpse out of I said it's all virtual so I guess I wouldn't be in like a spin studio but like have the ambulance I need one of those life alert bracelets as I fall (laughs) off my bike crumpling onto the floor they'll have to come and uh, try and resuscitate me but it'll be a lost cause because I'll be I'll be dead (laughs) yeah no it doesn't it doesn't go like that I think we'll get you on a Saturday morning. Okay. Just roll you in. Is that up. when the senior citizens are going? Because those are probably about who I could keep up with on oh, a stationary man. bike. Oh, man. Well, we had a lot of fun this morning. That was great. Thanks, Lorianne. And Thanks, we'll Kevin. see you next Monday. You'll be on with Jason Greger on Friday, as you usually are every Friday at 3, right? 3, three o'clock. So yes. uh, we'll look forward to that. Thanks for coming in. Have a wonderful week. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Have a great week ahead. That's Lorianne Munzer, our co-host from 8 to 10. Uh, we went a little bit long because we were talking about so many things, but we'll have some open text time. I think we'll talk a little bit more about the college football situation. couple texts coming in from Walnuts in the Park. Uh, get to that one when we come back. On the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.